Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Big Ticket, Variety and iHeart's movie podcast. I'm your host, Mark Malkin. This week, I sit down with Constance Wu. We talk starring opposite Jennifer Lopez in Hustlers and what happened when she tried to give Cardi B a lap dance. And then later, two more stars of Hustlers, Lily Reinhardt and Kiki Palmer. I'm going to have all that and a lot more, so stick around for this week's Big Ticket. I'm Robert Evans, host of Behind the Bastards, and it could happen here. And boy, it does seem to be happening here. I'm going to guess most of the people listening to this are deeply concerned with what they saw happen in Washington, D.C. on January 6th. And I'm here to tell you it was a fascist insurrection, an attempt by fascists to take over our democracy. And it didn't happen in a historical vacuum. There have been numerous attempts, many of them successful, by fascist movements to take over democracies over the last century. In order to protect yourself, in order to protect your family and your very freedom, you need to understand this history and the history of the different anti-fascist movements that have fought, sometimes successfully, often unsuccessfully, to stop the same things from happening in their own countries. The knowledge of this history is important, and it's maybe the only thing that can save us. So, if you're as concerned as I am, listen to Behind the Insurrections on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back to The Big Ticket. I'm your host, Mark Malkin. Now, Constance Wu. Hi, Constance. Hi, Mark. Good morning. Good morning. You look great for first thing in the morning. Oh, thanks. (laughs) It's all downhill from here. (laughs) Fantastic movie. Thanks. Like, I cried. I laughed. I mean, it was just, the the emotions are there. Oh, I'm so glad. So, Tim, what did you know about this story when you were first approached about it? I actually didn't know anything about it. Um, I read the script, and... I really responded to the character, and it was what I was really looking for at the time. And then I read the article, um, and I was like, wow, what an interesting story, and like what a perfect, I mean, not even metaphor, because it really happened, but for what was happening with our country and the financial collapse, and like also the way that like media and culture um, told people like what their value was in terms mm-hmm. of gender. Um, I just thought it was like kind of exactly what I wanted to do at that time. And it's not, I think some people may think like, oh, it's going to be a fun stripper movie. Or it's whatever. fun. They rob people and boom. But I see it as this, you know, this really strong drama with themes about gender. Yeah. Also chosen families. Yeah. I really, really got that throughout the movie. Yeah. Talk to me about that a little bit. Well, I mean, I think the heart of the movie is the girls and the sisterhood of the girls and the friendship between um, Ramona and my character, Destiny. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, this is a stripper movie. And I'm like, no, it's not. No. It's a movie about people who have <laughs> been strippers before. Right. Be- and I make that distinction because it's about more than just their occupation. Like, 
so often we stop our judgment there and then make so many assumptions. Yeah. But all these women are different. And when you look at Destiny's story and the fact that she was abandoned by her own mother when she was a kid, she's sort of been looking for a female mentor mm -hmm. and like friend like that her yeah. whole life. And she finds that in Jennifer's character, Ramona. And a lot of these girls, they're kind of outcast from their families. Mm -hmm. And uh, so they kind of create their own family. That's survival too. Yeah, and they're also, it's, there's a freedom when you know the rest of the world judges you, and then you find people who don't judge you, but they mm -hmm. understand you. That's a type of family, and that's sort of what these girls create. Tell me, what, what, what do you like about Destiny? I like that she makes decisions from her heart. Um, which isn't always the smartest <laughs> place because yes, she gets involved with these schemes and this like thing that is objectively bad. It's illegal. Like dragging people's not good, no, not right? We agree with that. It's not good. But I think what's unique about her is she's not really doing it for the money necessarily, even though she does need it um, to support her kid and everything. Um, I think she just gets caught up in the feeling of being a part of something. Mm-hmm and having the sisterhood. And you see that when, towards the end, she starts to sort of realize like, oh, I was just thinking about how wonderful I felt being a part of this family, but oh, I just realized that what I'm doing is affecting other families right. when she talks to the guy, Doug. Um, and so it, it kind of is tough for Destiny that it took her a while to catch up to her mistakes, mm -hmm. but I like that she does catch up to them and that she makes a tough, she makes tough decisions because of them. And so, even though she gets involved in some trouble, it's it's all out of her desire for love and for other people's love. I get a Scorsese vibe from the movie. Like there Goodfellas. Like Goodfellas. Yeah. You know, then you know, even you know, Francis Ford Coppola, The Godfather. Like yeah. Ramona is the Godfather. Totally. When I first read it, I was like, this is a lot like. Goodfellas, because those guys are doing things that are objectively bad, but for some reason you kind of like it's them. Because the they and, <laughs> and they have all these characters, but I will say there's one big difference, which is I think one of the first lines of Goodfellas is, all my life I wanted to be a gangster. And then the last line of Goodfellas is essentially like, I'm not a gangster anymore and life is boring. So in that mm -hmm. sense, I think that movie glamorizes the gang life. Right. And while I think Hustlers has moments of glamour, like the Usher scene and everything, what Lorene did was a little more complex than that. I don't think she glamorized the life. I think she showed some of the really fun parts and some of the really like difficult parts. Mm -hmm. And you know, it doesn't end with, oh, I'm not a stripper anymore and my life is so boring <laughs> the way Goodfellas ends. It ends with, well, I don't want to give any spoilers. Right, right. But. <laughs> okay, so we have to talk, we've talked about this before. You had a stripper pole in your house? Yes. Prepping? Like, did you wake mm -hmm. up in the morning, have a cup of coffee, and say, hey, I think I'll rehearse on the pole? Yeah, no, I just slept <laughs> next to it. I, I didn't do any actual work. I was like, osmosis. <laughs> I'm by the pole. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, because the biggest thing about that is, yes, it's physically demanding, but you also have to sell it. Yeah. And... That's really hard when I mentally... I can swing around a pole, but I can't right? sell it. But, and so it's the comfort level. It's also doing it when you're in these, like, nine-inch shoes. So it's like, I was also walking around my house in those shoes just to be like, let me just, like, see if I could get used to this. Did you ever? 
not the nine inch. They were like seven inch ones. <laughs> that I, you know what? That's I managed great. to be pretty pretty good in and. Uh, yeah, new skill set that I learned. <laughs> I never thought I would. <laughs> it's on your resume now. Yes. Microsoft Word, fluent in Spanish, seven, seven inch heels. Seven inch heels. <laughs> seven um. or less. No, I can't go above. That's my, like my singer's range. It's like she could belt to an E flat. Like that's where she goes. What was it like seeing Jennifer Lopez work that pole? Oh my God. Lily, your I mouth didn't, is on the floor. I didn't want her to stop. Like, whenever the song ended, and, you know, she had to do it a few times, obviously, for different takes. Like, I just didn't want it to stop because she is just, she just owns the stage. And, like, <laughs> and I also, like, as a person, I just love her. And just to see somebody who you care about so much who's just doing what they do best and just, like, it's like you're witnessing a once-in-a-lifetime <laughs> live thing, except for I got to see it a few times because of the... But the then dudes. I love when she's teaching you how to <laughs> do it. There's, I don't know if it's technically classical music, but it was like classical music that was playing, which I just love that sequence where it was like she was really showing you this art. Yeah. That you really had to be an artist to do this. This wasn't just yeah. jumping on a stage and jiggling. And again, that whole thing about not glamorizing it. Yes, we have scenes where we're in the fancy stripper outfits, but in that scene where Jen's uh, teaching me, we're both in sports bras and like right. no makeup with like ponytails. Cause right. it's like these, Lorene always said like these women are kind of like athletes. And if you think of it in a certain way, they're both using their bodies to make money. Athletes and strippers. For sure. They ca and for entertainment and to make money, both of those professions. It's just, we decide to judge and shame one of them more than the other. And Cardi B, you went on top of Cardi B and tried to give her <laughs> Oh man, so in that scene, Destiny's supposed to be like embarrassed that she can't do it that well. I don't, I think the line with Destiny <laughs> and Constance was like right in sync there because I was embarrassed because I knew, I was like, this girl knows what she's doing. And I've, you know, been learning, but I'm definitely still a, a freshman. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about your TV career. How many more seasons of Fresh Off the Boat? Well, uh, they have me for seven. I'm in season six right now, yeah. and I love it. I know people misunderstood my tweet thing yeah. where they thought that it meant that I didn't love the show. I love the show. I love the people on the show. We've had the same crew for six years. We wouldn't have had that. Like, people could go find other shows if we <laughs> all didn't love each other. Um, but, you know, it does take up a significant amount yeah. of my year, and so there was just this play that I was really looking forward to doing. A play? Yeah, oh, I grew up wow. in the theater, so... That's home for me, you yeah. know what I mean? Um, and a lot of people had told me, oh, yeah, it's not going to get picked well, up. Well, I, I wanted to bring this up with you because I did a podcast with Randall Park, and he said it's me too. He said, he said, we were all surprised it got picked up. Yeah, like me and Randall had talked about it. He's right. just not as, like, reactive. <laughs> but no, but, like, my, this play I wanted to do, my heart was so in it. Wow. And so for just, like, a moment of heat, which we all have, yeah. like... I got upset that I couldn't do the play. But I mean, if you look at any of my tweets for the past six years yes. about Fresh Off the Boat, I love it and I love those kids and I love the crew and it's, it's just a really peaceful, happy job that I'm really lucky to have. And then one uh, question that I always ask everyone, what's the one movie you could watch over and over again and you never get bored? Well, my number one, it's always been Boogie Nights. Really? Well, yes. Really starve hustlers. I know. No, but, but there's another one that's new that I'm adding to the list, which is um, Paddington 2. 
I haven't okay, even seen Paddington okay. 1. First of all, Patton- t- tell me why why Boogie Nights. And- okay, Boogie Nights is just I, is amazing. I mean, just the energy of it, that one year at the beginning, the way they're humanizing people who are not are often judged, right. you know, in society. And uh, I just, and the music, everything about that movie is great. The era, the <laughs> 70s to the 80s. Mm-hmm. I'm like, our movie's about an era change, too. Oh, yeah. um, but Paddington 2 is just, it's so pure. And, like, the joy in it is so, um, like, sometimes I think these movies can try to really lean into that cutesiness. Mm-hmm. And they almost, like, exploit sentimentality. And it works. But it's like there's something about Paddington 2 where the cuteness doesn't come from, like, a self-awareness or a, tri- a manipulative sense. It really just comes from the heart of this bear. How many times have you seen Oh, you know, it's on loop. I keep it on my TV so my bunny can watch it when I'm not home. Just kidding. Just kidding. You, know, you, you, pre- you practice the poll watching. <laughs> really Talk though. about the full spectrum of like the, the human experience and yeah. the bear experience. Yeah. What is the one movie that you would love to have been in? Besides Paddington 2. Oh, gosh. That's, I don't know why that's like hard. You know what I really love? I love like the old, that old Richard Linklater movie, uh, Before Sunrise. Why is that? Because it's, I mean, some people think this is boring, but it's two people talking. <laughs> and like... <laughs> There's nothing, that's what we're doing, I'm not bored. I know, but like, <laughs> and discovering things about each other and it doesn't feel forced. It just feels like a true portrayal of it, that time in your mm. life. And, um, and it's, I don't know. There's something about the way that was captured that... Um, I just think it's important that we have stories like that almost it's like to be historians of like what humans are capable of connection wise which is just what hustlers is about too isn't it yeah it is it. it doesn't look like it from this no. <laughs> thing. but it's about these girls and i really hope that people watch it and what i hope most besides them having a good time is that people care about these girls as people because because they're great girls. And that's where it gets a little twisted because there's times where I'm like, I'm rooting for you. I'm like, wait a minute, I'm yeah. not supposed to be rooting for you yeah. in this part. But you know, part. everybody makes mistakes and does things that they're not proud of, at least sometimes in life. Um, but they're also people. Awesome. So. Constance, thank you so much. Thank always you. so much fun. That was Constance Wu. Now we're going to take a quick break, but when I come back, Kiki Palmer and Lily Reinhardt. What do explorers, an army officer, and a Minnesota insurance salesman have in common? They all wanted to be the first to reach the North Pole, but only one of them made it. I'm Kat Long, science editor at Mental Floss and host of the new podcast, The Quest for the North Pole, which dives into the centuries-long race to explore the Arctic, find the Northwest Passage, and conquer the top of the world. With a cast of daring adventurers and some pretty determined amateurs— The Race to the Pole reveals the human desire to solve mysteries of geography and the soul. We'll look at the important Arctic expeditions that filled the blank spaces on the map and recognize how indigenous people made them successful. We'll examine what pushed explorers to venture ever farther into the unknown and uncharted, and how the climate crisis is changing the Arctic today. Listen to The Quest for the North Pole every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
Welcome back. Here's Lily Reinhardt. Good morning, Lily. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. good. You're so fresh as a daisy on a Sunday oh, morning. thank you. <laughs> yeah, I got like um, 10 hours of sleep. That's good. That's like my minimum. That's, That's what I are, need. Are you, like, do you sleep throughout or no, do you wake up? I wake up a couple times, but sleep pretty well. And our dogs bark a lot. Too much. Oh, but you have dogs, so. That is true. That yeah. is true. So it's not about me. It's about Hustlers. Such a great movie. Thank you. Like drama, emotional, funny, sexy. I keep saying this, and I'm just going to say it. I get Scorsese vibes. Like, wow. Like a good feller's like. Yeah, that was definitely inspiring. Jennifer, Ramona mm-hmm. is the godfather. Yeah. Yeah, Laureen, when I first talked to her about the movie, she told me that that was, a, Goodfellas was a really big inspiration oh, really? for it. Yeah, and I was like, that makes sense. So did you know anything about this story at all before you were approached? I actually didn't. So when I read the article, I was, you know, it was I was reading it with fresh eyes. Um, and when I read the script, it was, you know, the first time hearing of this story. So I definitely hadn't known about it before, which made it all the more interesting. So how do you even start? prepping, you know, you're going from Riverdale to stripper. Yeah, I mean, there was overlap between Riverdale and, and Hustlers. In so terms I was, of the characters? No, in terms of <laughs> shooting. <laughs> I was still shooting Riverdale when I started Hustlers, so I had to fly back and forth from New York to Vancouver. Um, That's a mind. But not really, because they're so vastly different <laughs> right. that it didn't really feel like I... It was it's quite easy to transition between the two. Mm-hmm. I feel like if the characters were... Uh, more similar, it would be harder. Sense, yeah. um, but because they're so different and the environments are so different and the looks were so different, it was actually quite easy to, to re- differentiate between the two. So do you meet with real strippers or do you just really study the story? Or do you sit down with the writer? I mean, I think Laureen was my biggest source of, of, of help. Mm-hmm. I talked to her um, quite a bit about, about the character and what she wanted. And I was kind of nervous at first because I hadn't done... Uh, a movie part for for a while so I, I after each day on set the first few days I was like is, was that okay was that what you wanted like is that in the vein of what you're thinking for this girl and she was like yes absolutely just trust your instincts like you're doing exactly what I want you to do so she was very comforting and and I think um, prep wise I mean I don't really do too much to prep I, things just mostly happen in the moment when I'm on set. So, I mean, I obviously think about the character and who I want her to be, right. and but I, you know, kind of go off what the director wants from me. And, and the thing is that I keep telling people, I'm like, it's not a stripper movie. Like, I think people are going to think that it's just, oh, there's the Riverdale star stripping and showing everything. There like she it, is. But it's not, it's, it's so much more than yeah, that. Yeah, it is. It's and really, what I say, it's a story of survival and chosen family. Yeah, and it's, it's sort of like, you know, you're going to judge a book by its cover and be like, okay, this movie's about strippers. And, uh, and even when I got the script sent to me and looked at the log line, I was like, oh, God, what is this? <laughs> Do I want to be involved in this? And then reading the script, it's so much more and it's such an actual story and I actually don't think that it's it's a movie about strippers about stripping it's a movie about women and what leads them to do what they do so you know it's not even about stripping as a as a performing art right. it's it's more so just about the women so and that's wonderful what do you think the movie says about survival i mean i think that 
especially in Ramona and Destiny's case, you do what you need to do for your kids. And um, in Annabelle's case, I think she she got swept along into the scheme that they're mm -hmm. that they're in because she's quite young and, and naive, and I think easily persuaded because her her family kicked her out of her, her house when they found out what she was doing. So I think she really relied on these older women to show her the ropes and. You know, she was very easily kind of brought into mm -hmm. it, but I think when it comes to survival, I think, I don't know, you have to do what you have to do, I guess, but I'm not justifying what they did <laughs> in any sense at all, but I think, um, I think they were blinded by what they were doing because of their need to live and their mm -hmm. need to support themselves, so. They like these women? I do because you do root for them. Yeah. You really do. It's this weird thing because you're rooting for them. There were parts where I was rooting for them, like yeah. when they're when, when the guy jumped off the the house. Sure. And, and I'm like, oh my god, I hope that works out for them. And I'm like, yeah. what am I talking about? Well, yeah, it's it's crazy because you they are doing these awful situations, but the way that the story is told, you do like you feel for them. So you don't really look at them as the bad guys, even though they are. You see them as women who are just trying to get by and doing what they they feel that they need to in order to like you said survive so yeah they are they are the bad guys but you're seeing them through the lens of reality and through women just trying to survive at that time and talk about the first time you met jennifer lopez I met her, uh, the first time I shot with her was the last scene in the movie where you see us all together in the jail cell. <laughs> so uh, so I think that's jail, where I met her. I was in jail bad. with her and, um, and I'm like sitting in the corner and she's in the scene kind of, uh, there was a moment where she came and was like touching my hand. She was like, it's gonna be okay. Like she was very, um, she was very like into the scene before it even started, which, which was really sweet. And um, she was just very warm and like a like a mama bear. That's what I call her. She's um, she really is like very. Um, uh, she just has a, a very caring personality, mm -hmm. and she's she's very sweet. And talk about the force of Jennifer Lopez. This is a woman who said, "No, no, you're not going to tell me what to do. I'm going to do the what force I of do. Jennifer." Yeah. Well, I mean, she's she's been in the industry for such a long time, and she's such an such an icon. But I, I really. I really try not to look at her that way. I mean, she's just my she's my co-star, and she she knows what she's doing, and she's incredibly talented. And I really admired the way that she came to set, so prepared and so on it, and she like really knew who her character was. Um, I mean, she's just a badass, and she she just she just gets it, and she she's just she's really wonderful to work with, and to watch her work is really. I mean, I felt honored to be to be there, <laughs> and I got to sit on her lap in a scene, so that's pretty great. So do you like use that at restaurants? Like, I need a table. I sat on Jennifer Lopez's lap. Sure, I will use that next time I, I don't get in. Like, I don't know if you know who I am, but I sat on J-Lo's lap, so. Um, let's talk a little bit about Riverdale. Okay. How many seasons do you see it going? I don't know. Um, I don't know. I think, I don't know, maybe six or seven. I really, because the kids are graduating from, from high school and are season four, so I'm not sure. I think, you know, it's once they get out of high school, I don't know where. Do you go to Riverdale Community go. College? I hope not. <laughs> I really hope not. I hope there's better things for, for Betty coming up. What do you see for yourself in the future? For myself? Yeah. I, I mean, I think I, I was really lucky to do this film. Um, 
Sarah Schechter, who's one of the executive producers of Riverdale, is is really close friends with Laureen Scafari, our director. And so um, she was a huge force in allowing me to do this movie and, and you know, at the same time as Riverdale. And and I think um, I was, I'm just so lucky that I was able to be a part of it. And I think future-wise, I'm trying to do as many films as I can on my hiatus from from Riverdale, like no sleep, no rest for the wicked, but the, but that's how I want it to be. You know, yeah. I I think film is really where my passion lies, and and I love filmmakers, and and I think I just I I like what Jeff Bridges says, where he it's like every role he takes is a 180 from the last role he played, mm. and I think that's that's a really good way to look at your career because you got to keep it interesting and play as many people as you can. So. That was Lily Reinhardt. Now I'm going to take another short break, but when we come back, Kiki Palmer. Okay, let's go. So we're supposed to be sticking to the script, but we ain't, because <laughs> that's just not what we do. It's your girl, Tam Bam, y'all. And it's AJ Hey, And we're giving a whole bunch of good, bad advice and a lot of bad, great <laughs> advice. <laughs> we're trying to teach you how to say when, how, and how much, y'all. Uh-huh. Yes, sir. Now, that doesn't always have to apply to your sex life, ladies. It can absolutely apply to your career. Unless your sex life is your career, then it's interchangeable. <laughs> We're talking about a whole lot of sex. I love the sex. Hey, and a bunch of money. We love the money. And relationships. Yeah, We're going to work on that. <laughs> so listen to our new show, We Talk Back, every Thursday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Alec Baldwin. Listen to my podcast, Here's the Thing, on iHeartRadio. It's my chance to talk with artists, policymakers, and performers, like the actress Kristen Bell. And the moment I said, you know what, I have a thing, and it's a quirky, weird, fun thing that can be snarky, and I love doing it. I do it pretty well. Why not lean into it? And that is when I felt like I started becoming happier. Music legend Mick Fleetwood. Fleetwood Mac was always about change. So that you were accepted for who you were. Former governor of Vermont, Howard Dean. I took the call in this quavering voice and the other end of the phone says, I regret to inform you that the governor has died of a heart attack and you're the governor. <laughs> that was the end of my medical practice. And best-selling author Isabel Wilkerson. People would come up to me of all different backgrounds and would say to me, I had no idea that this happened in our country. If you like listening as much as I like talking with interesting people, go to heresthething.org and subscribe now on the iHeart app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And now here's Kiki Palmer. Hi, Kiki. Hey, how are you? How are you? So good. Such a good movie. Yes, you loved it? I loved it. Good. It's really, like, it's fun. There's drama. It's Mm -hmm. sexy. There's glamour. But really, what I I felt the most was the was the drama, the emotional, emotionality, is that a word? It had heart. It It really has heart. Mm -hmm. Did you know that, like, when you read the script, like, or, like, even Lily said to me, she's like, you know, she read the log line, and she was like, "Mm, what is this stripper movie kind of thing? I read the log line, I I read the script, and I felt like it was going to be a good movie. I don't think I really knew how much the heart was going to be, um, 
how how big of a part it was going to be in the movie. I don't. Mm. I think that's something that I trusted Lorene to visualize. Like I really trusted her as a director and as a writer. Um, that this movie was going to be amazing. Um, I didn't know exactly how, but I felt confident. Uh, and I was excited about the fact that it was a true story, you know. Right. And so I just jumped in head first. Did you know anything about this story before you got the script? Nothing. I knew nothing about the story. <laughs> I just, I mean, knowing that world, it didn't sound like hard to believe. Right. I was more so excited, like, okay, who are the characters? Mm -hmm. Who's telling the story? How do I, you know, I mean, the other girls, the other talent that I was going to be working with, I was excited right. to get to know them and see how we were going to bring the characters uh, to life and keep it grounded, you know? That was something that I was interested in, making sure we had that balance. Right. And this, it, for me, it's a story about survival and chosen families. Mm -hmm. Can you talk to me a little bit yeah. about that? Yeah. I mean, I totally think that's what it's about. You know, you have women that are from all different backgrounds, uh, and everybody's story is not the same. A lot of times you'll think of a stripper and it's like they all come from this broken home or whatever this idea is, but every girl had a different path that led them there. Um, and it was that friendship and that camaraderie that helped them to survive. You, mm -hmm. And also it humanized them. A lot of times we'll just hear about a story or, you know, uh, about what someone did, and we don't really know what got them there. Uh, and I think that's what is so perfectly visualized in the movie. What's great about the movie, well, yeah, great, um, <laughs> is that you start cheering these women on. Exactly. You're rooting for them, and you're like, wait a minute. They're drugging these dudes. Mm -hmm. They're jumping out of windows. Yeah. They're dropping them off at hospitals. And I'm like, yeah, go, go, you could do And then you're like, oh, this is really messed up that I'm cheering for them. Yeah, and I think, again, that's kudos to Lorene because you do have these women that are doing this kind of, like, unbelievable stuff, but at the same time, you feel like, hey, I mean, are these their only options? You know, is this their only choice? And for the for what they do know and the knowledge that they do have, they're really, truly trying their best. Um, but this is, they're using the skills that they have. They're trying to make lemonade out of lemons mm. and so you over the course knowing their characters but seeing their flaws but still in, you know loving them as people you find yourself wanting them to just win but not get in trouble right you know you just want them to get the money <laughs> and get out of dodge <laughs> like just get the money legally exactly exactly <laughs> just be drug dealers don't get it so <laughs> so Tell me about meeting Jennifer for the first time. Oh, honey, I was thrilled and nervous. Yeah. I grew up loving Jennifer, still Who love her to this day. Oh, my gosh. Can you, I'm still, <laughs> I'm still getting to it. So to, you know, do the film with her, my first scene that I ever shot was with her. We were in the Bronx, in the Gap. Um, and it's that scene where, you know, I, Mercedes gets her job in fashion. <laughs> our old lady. We're in old, old Navy. Oh, excuse old me, Navy. old Navy. Yeah, we're in Old Navy. I got our job in fashion, love. And, uh, you know, we're looking outside, and it's all these kids in the city. So you really shot in the Bronx? We shot in the Bronx, and they're all looking through in the window. And I thought to myself, man, here we have J-Lo in the city that she's from, uh, you know, city where dreams are made of. And then I'm, you know, here, I'm from Illinois, a rural south suburb, t suburban town. And here we are showing all the dreamers out there what's truly possible. That was the first day I had on the set. And working with her, it was everything I could have dreamed it to be. She's such a girl's girl, so, uh, you know, very affectionate and, and, and engaged. And I was just like, oh, yeah, this movie? It's gonna be everything. <laughs> I feel like she probably gave some really good rap gifts. Oh, What'd she gave best. Oh, love. I got the. Okay, so Jennifer <laughs> always carries around this like bedazzled, uh, 
what is it called? Um, thermal cup, you know, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's, you know, gets real cold. Thermos. Give me, yeah, thermos, thermos, exactly, thermos, you know. So she has, like, one that says World of Dance. Uh, it's like, you know. And is it really bedazzled? Or is it really, oh, honey. Or is it really diamonds? It's really bedazzled. <laughs> I can't tell her secrets. And she gave us all one, and I still have mine, and it's so bomb. I love it. I just was so happy. I, I think That's I actually did things. tear up, too. And she gave me, like, a lingerie set. She's the bomb. A lingerie set from yes, Jennifer honey. Lopez. Okay. So when do you wear that lingerie? <laughs> I can't tell that. I can't tell you that. Are you relieved a little bit or are you sad a little bit that you didn't get to do more stripping in the movie? Oh, my gosh. You know, I would say, I can't, this is the thing. It would have been cool to do a pole <laughs> moment. I had a couple of little pole dancing classes. But at the same time, I was really most excited that we got to have that moment where we were all dancing on stage when Usher came through. I was living for that. <laughs> that to me was just like, are we serious right now? Like, this movie is insane. You know and what I mean? Did they just put the music on and just say dance, or was it choreographed? So, uh, no, it wasn't choreographed at all. Everybody was just, no, it was just dance. You know, we, wow. we wait, we watch Usher come in, we the music is playing, and it's like Love in the Club, which already puts you back in a time, right. you know, in space. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, I'm living my 15-year-old dreams somewhat <laughs> on, the, <laughs> on the stripper stage, <laughs> getting sexy for Usher. It was dope. What's it like dancing next to Jennifer? I'm gonna go back to this, but dancing next to Jennifer. Everything, Logan. and we were, and she was, and we were like, only. Each other. I was just like, yeah. <laughs> Like Jennifer, yes. You're like, who's taking photos right I was now? Li- okay, I was, I was like, you know, who cares about the photos? We did the movie. Like, I was just, it was just so awesome to create this synergy between all of us. You know what I mean? Like, it really felt fun going to work and being with all them, and mm. it inspired me and motivated me to make sure I brought everything I could to the scene. Um, it was, it was a really, it's, a, it's an experience of a lifetime that I will always remember. And what's the one movie you could watch over and over again, and you never get bored? You're just flipping through TV streamers, and there it is. The Wood. Okay, go. Yeah, it's called The Wood. It's a coming-of-age story. Mm -hmm. Um, And Rick Femua, who I love his writing, uh, I loved it because I I love coming-of-age stories. I love love stories, and um, it's very rich in culture. And so I love that movie. Um, That's a classic to me. Whenever it comes on, I'm like, boom, get into it. When was the last time you cried at the movies? This movie got me very emotional. Um, a documentary, the documentary Blackfish. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've seen it. It's mm-hmm. about the um, whale. Oh, of the, course. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. yeah, the whale at SeaWorld, Tillicum, Tilly. I never had seen this documentary before, and when I watched it, I just couldn't believe what you know he went through. Mm. And so that was like the most recent film that really impacted me. Aside from the other documentary that I watched called Three Identical Strangers, mm-hmm. that also devastated me. Oh, I love documentaries. Me too. <laughs> but they get you real deep because at the end you remember, oh, this is real. <laughs> Why did I watch this? <laughs> and then they make movies out of it. And movies out of it. So, yeah, those are the two things I just saw that really impacted me heavily. What's a movie that you would have loved to have been in that you love? A movie that I would have loved to be in? Bring it on, honey. Bring it on. <laughs> Move out the way, Gabby. Okay, I'm ready. Well, it's us. I would have, if go, I did bring go, it on, go, go. bring it on is the most amazing, I think, film representation of cultural appropriation I've ever seen to date. Mm. It is so fabulous. I just, watching it as an adult, mm-hmm. um, it really blows my mind even more to just see, wow, what a great film, what a great message, what a great uh film about unity like it really was a great film I think when you're a kid you watch stuff and you don't really always know why you liked right. it so much and then when you get older you're like oh my gosh mm-hmm. they really hit it on the nail you know you really <laughs> get it uh, so I really love that movie uh, bring it on I would have loved to have been in that 
in a TV show you're watching right now? Like, what are you binging? I watch a lot of reality. Go ahead. Real Housewives of Potomac. Hey, Cameron Huger. I love that show. You know, I feel like for me, a lot of times with my schedule with work, it's so overwhelming that I need to like zone out on a television show. And but so, do you really zone out? Oh, child, I, you got. You're in it. I'm in it, but it's like a light in it. It's like in it where I can like be chill, not to think too much. So it's like I love Real Housewives of Potomac, and there's another one called Life at a Love After Lockup. Ooh. I know the title is like, what? But love after lockup, honey. These people are trying to have love after jail. It's deep, honey. Have you watched 90 Day Fiance? <gasps> my sister just told me about that show. Oh, no. My husband and I were just on vacation for a week. Literally, my husband's addicted to it. I was like, you, you will be obsessed. Oh, my God. And then you have to watch. Did you watch Jailbirds? Oh, I didn't watch Jailbirds. On Netflix, the real life Orange is New Black? Oh, you I have to watch that. <laughs> Those girls, they come back with a second season. They talking through the toilets. I said, wow, jail cell Oh, yes, 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 with the toilets. The, talking the toilet, through yes. the toilets. Yes. I said, now they got some genius stuff going but on. But then giving messages through the toilet. Okay, Ooh. bye. <laughs> You're, You're the best. Amazing. Thank you. That was Kiki Palmer. Thanks for listening to this week's Big Ticket. I'm your host, Mark Malkin. Coming up next week, IT Chapter 2 stars James McAvoy, Bill Hader, and Bill Skarsgård. And don't forget, if you want to watch my big ticket interviews, you can catch many of them at Variety.com. Also, make sure to follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Mark Malkin. That's it for now. See you next week. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over limited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.